for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I can can remember laying in bed one night a few years ago, tossing and turning, struggling with the worthiness of my own calling. I'm laying in bed, and in those, in those days, a few years ago, I wasn't sleeping very well anyway. I go through, through seasons of that where I don't sleep very well. And I was laying there just thinking, you know, am I, am I really called? Is God really using me, or is this just something that's kind of, you know, something that I've dreamed up, something, a world that maybe I shouldn't even be in? And I shared this with Beth. She was, she was laying beside me, probably trying to fall asleep. And she said this. She said, God calls and uses broken people like you all the time. And I, I really thought about that, and I, I needed that in that moment. Several years later, Beth began her own dark season, and she often asked a lot of questions, and in some moments, truth is, she, as I have before, had lost complete hope. And I knew, and I told her, God has an amazing calling for your life, all right? God is in the habit of using broken things to make things whole. I don't know why. I wish I could explain that. I wish I could understood it, understand it. I wish it made sense as to why he doesn't take more polished, successful, ready-to-go individuals to accomplish great things, but the truth is I simply don't have an answer for that. Maybe we'll get into some of that today. We're in part three of a 10-week series titled Out of Egypt, in which we're studying the great exodus, or Shemot, of the Israelites, God's people, out of slavery and oppression, and into the promised land. Today we're going to take a closer look and examination of a man named Moses uh, that will lead these people. Last week we discussed that Moses was never supposed to happen. Moses was not supposed to exist within the cultural narrative. He never should have happened. Instead, God placed him center stage. Moses has been in Midian. That's where we left off last week. He had been in Midian after exile for killing an Egyptian. But there comes a time for Moses and for all of us to bravely exit Midian. There is a time in some of your lives that are here right now And hopefully it's not been 40 years, but there is a time for you as well to exit Midian. 
All right, so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. If you do want to turn there today, Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at the first 14 verses. You guys will have it up here as well if you just want to follow on the screen. And we're going to look at what one of my favorite stories, and I know others of you in here can relate to this as well. One of my favorite stories in Scripture, and this is of Moses at the burning bush. Okay, so Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at 14 verses. And this is leading off exactly where we were last week. And that was your assigned reading for this week. It was Exodus 3, so some of you know exactly where we're going. All right, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. So it continued to burn. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. That's going to be very important. Then he said, God said this, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for you're on a place, which the place which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who were in Egypt. I have heard their cry on the account of their taskmasters. Indeed, he hears your cry as well in your life, regardless of where you are, even though he may not respond in the exact timing that you would hope he would respond. Indeed, I know their sufferings. I've been paying attention. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Try saying that fast. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So all these things that are going on in your life, all the darkness, all the struggles, all the difficulty, God sees those things. It doesn't matter how you feel, how abandoned abandoned or stranded you may feel, God sees all of these things. Verse 10, so come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, as I have said before, and as some of you have said before, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he said, and this is really all he needs to say, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign of you that it, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship them on this mountain. This mountain is Oreb. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So he's saying, as I'm struggling with confidence, as I don't know what to do, as I feel completely unqualified myself, and they ask me, who sent you? You know, they're going to need a little bit of confidence that I know what I'm talking about. God said to Moses, 
and this is one of the most peculiar parts of all of Scripture, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Scholar Timothy Bill referred to Moses as a hybrid of two incompatible identities. We could certainly look at Moses of all scriptural characters as an enigma. All right, there's no question about that. He has one foot entrenched in the Egyptian world. All right, keep in mind he's an Egyptian prince. Yet he was Hebrew by birth and also by allegiance. So what I want us to do today is I want us to consider two very important parts of the language of this scripture. And when I'm talking about the language of this scripture, I'm talking about the Hebrew language, meaning that if you did take the time to read Exodus 3 last week at some point, it's a pretty short chapter, you could have completely missed what we're going to talk about today. Because what we're going to talk about today is absolutely everything. And from here on out, if you ever read, and hopefully you will, read Exodus 3 again, you will never forget what we're going to talk about today as it applies to an individual as well as a corporate church calling. You are never going to forget it. So, so far we've seen enslavement, we've seen the difficulty the Egyptians are going to through. Some of you are thinking this series is titled, Out of Egypt, when in the heck are they going to get out of Egypt? All right, now we have a situation where this Moses is really stepping in to his calling. So the first thing that I want you guys to recognize today is Moses, this unlikely leader, all right, reveals his willingness he reveals his real willingness. God calls and Moses answers. Verse 4 says this, When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see God, to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, he responded, Here I am. Notice that God calls Moses by name, twice. This only happens eight times in the entirety of Scripture. Abraham, well, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, I'm sorry, Abraham, Jacob, Samuel, Saul, Martha, Simon, Peter, and then Jesus when he's calling out to the Father on the cross. All right? Only eight times in Scripture is an individual identified by their name Two times, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Samuel, Saul, Martha, Simon, Peter, and Jesus whenever he is actually on the cross. Often when a person is called twice in Scripture, what that means is that they are being elevated or promoted to a new place. All right, everything is completely new. There is a time to leave Midian. So Moses is being called twice. Today I want you to understand that it's been confirmed in my heart, believers church, believers church. You've been through some very difficult times this year. It's been a real struggle. 
There have been a number of things that have happened, and you're not sure what's going to happen next, so you're kind of parked in this, this space of a break called Midian. Today, Believer's Church is being called out of Midian. It's time for us to get on with whatever is next. God is commanding us. God is telling us things have been extremely difficult, but there's something coming up. Now, there's a way and a perspective and a posture that we must have about this thing that is coming up. So when I was a kid, I can remember my parents telling me to do something once. And whenever they told me twice, it meant business. We are being told that. Moses was being told that. Myself as an individual, I have been told that. Now notice Moses' response. This is what he says. Here I am, or Hanani in Hebrew is what this translates to. Please understand this. There is a difference between saying, I am here, and here I am. There is a difference between saying, I am here, and here I am. Hanani has been used 17 times in Scripture. It is used, if it's Samuel, if it's Isaac, if it's Moses, whoever it is, it is always a protagonist being spoken to by God. And this is what Moses is saying, and this is literally what it means when he is saying, here I am. I am present. I am fully attentive to what God is saying to me. So if somebody knocks on your front door and you say, who it is? Well, it's Matt. You know, I'm here. That's a little bit different, all right? So you can miss that in the English language whenever you read it. So what's actually going on is that Moses, all right, in the same way when Jacob is wrestling, all right, with the angel, in the same way in which Samuel is being called out at Eli's house, here I am. I am present. I am listening. I have an awareness that something is going on, that you are, you are telling me something even though I don't know exactly what that means. Okay, so this is Hanani in action. Here, I will make my stand. I do not know exactly what's going to happen. This is what Moses is saying. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know what the future is going to look like. Things are bad right now, and things could actually get worse. But I'm staying put. I'm firm. I have heard the voice of God. I know what I'm supposed to do. I hear it, and I feel it in my bones, and I am not going to budge. And that is the place that we have to be today as a body of believers. Here I am. God, this new calling, this new season, this new, this new time, this new place, you are restoring what the locusts have eaten. We are here. We are here. We are present. What is next? And you know, even though this is true, Moses still has a really strong sense 
of unworthiness. And I can completely relate to that with the places that I've been and the things that I have done in my life. Heck, even last week, I can relate to this. So this is what Moses is telling himself as God calls him out. Murderer? Can't speak well? Not smart enough? Egyptian prince? You know, kind of the opposite side? Not well trained? So what is the unworthiness that you hear today? Divorced? Addicted? Doubtful? Too sick? Too old? Too damaged? Too uneducated? Haunted by your past? Guilt-ridden? How many of you wake up every day and hear failure? Full of anxiety? The list goes on and on. But God shares with Moses the only thing that matters. When he steps into that doubt, when he says, uh, who, who am I to do this? I can't, I can't lead the Israelites. Who am I? God says five words, and it's the only thing that matters. I will be with you. I will be with you. It does not matter how broken you are. And I'm going to tell you a story. This is a true story. For the first two years that I pastored, I either wrote in my, on my hand, on my sermon notes, or, or somewhere that was visible to me, the five words, I will be with you. Because there were mornings that I went to preach after a bad argument with my wife, after a bad storm out argument with the kids because they weren't ready in time, after saying and doing some stupid things through the week, that my unworthiness was so present that I felt that it was something that I could not overcome. Sometimes it was guilt, it was shame, it was feeling like a failure, it was all of these things. But whenever I could look at that promise on my hand, in my notes, eventually it just became internalized in me so that when I walk, walk in here this morning, I know he's with me. It just when you, when you use scripture in that way and it's a repetitive thing in your life, it just becomes natural. He's in front of me. He's behind me. He's inside me. He's outside me. He's all around me because of his love for me. And because of his calling for me, Moses needed to hear this. Moses walked forward with this. Believers' church needs servants and leaders that can move beyond a troubled past and into the light of God's perfect grace. Otherwise, we're nothing. You see, we're not, our, we're not at our best when we're polished, trained up, and feel the most prepared. We are at our best when we recognize that God loves us at our worst. At our absolute worst. Beth and I were having a conversation yesterday. And I told her, I said, did you know that even all through pastoral ministry, it is just in the last six months, the last six months that I've really been able to internalize that God doesn't love me more when I'm accomplishing things and doing really well than he does when I'm doing really bad. 
It's taken me that long, almost 40 years, and a lot of these years as a Christian, and a few of these years in pastoral ministry, to recognize that when I'm at my absolute worst, I'm primed for gospel movement. That's tough for us with a past. Our personal strengths, they can shine through, but it all comes back to the grace of God. You see, Moses had realized that God's love for him went far beyond his abilities and more about what God wanted to accomplish through him, even at his absolute worst what God wanted to accomplish through him. So the second important piece of language, and this is even bigger, is God reveals his name, okay? So what's going on with Hanani? What's going on with um, here I am? Is that Moses is saying, I am present. I'm here to do this work. I have no idea what the future looks like. I just know that any understanding that I have of me whatsoever, I am required to leave behind. Did you know that the majority of the church, we just never get there? You wonder why we are where we are? It's because we're trying to figure out how to, how to have this peace of God. Let's do a shoebox a year and feel good about ourselves. Let's, just, let's sign up and maybe volunteer or serve so that we can feel good about ourselves while still holding on to all of our stuff. When we say, here I am, that means that everything that we have, our finances, our personal autonomy, our time, everything that we have is being completely surrendered over. So how does God respond to this? He reveals his name. This is verses 13 and 14. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites, Moses is already, as you can tell, a pretty nervous person by nature. All right, so if I go to these people and I say, follow me, we're going to the land that God promised us, who in the heck am I supposed to tell them sent me? That's what he's saying. The God of your ancestors has sent you, and they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am, which to be completely honest with you makes absolutely no sense to me. All right, so we're going to have to explain that one. He said further, thus you shall say to them, like you're going to get a better explanation, I am has sent you. Oh, yeah, that's a lot better, God. Now, what exactly does that mean? All right, Rabbi Harold Kushner points out that in the ancient world, Moses wouldn't have simply been asking for a name. A name, as we know in the Old Testament, we see this over and over, is actually a person's essence. All right, whenever you get a name in the Old Testament, you often get an explanation for why they were named that. They called him Moses. Why? Because he was pulled out of the water. All right, so a name actually means something. So he's not just asking, what is your name? He's also asking, what is this God all about, and what does this God stand for? So whenever I go back to the Israelites to talk to them to say, we're supposed to leave Egypt and go to this promised land, what is this God all about? What, what, what am I telling them that they are actually getting into? Now, when God says, I am who I am, it's never mentioned again in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. This means that God is not giving an answer to the Israelites. He is speaking directly to Moses. When God says, I am who I am, he is saying, I am the one who is becoming. 
All right, I am the one who is becoming. Still confusing, but it's about to get a lot better if you pay very close attention to this. Now, use the framework of the Israelites, okay? And then also at the same time, use the framework of your life. And then at the same time, a third component, use the framework of Believer's Church. All right, so let's look at Moses and his story. Let's look at you and your individual story. And let's look at us corporately as a church. So the Israelites, to give you some background, they're crying day and night for deliverance. God is calling to Moses, or God was calling Moses to help the Israelites out of Egypt. And even with self-doubt, Moses says, I'm going to do what you want me to do, all right? I, I, I am standing here right now. I'm not going to move. I'm going to be bold. Here I am. All right, so then Moses asks God for his name and what he should tell the people. And this is God's response. He provides a promise to Israel. He would become what they needed him to become in that moment. In this case, and often in the case for a lot of us, it is deliverer. This is the point, and this is where we bring this all home for us and where we bring this home for Believer's Church. In any given moment, whenever you go through something and you're struggling, you're going through a darkness that no one else can possibly imagine. A church together, a church body feels like things may be completely over. Whatever it looks like, this is what God is saying. I am going to shift shape, and I am going to be exactly what you need in that moment, even though you don't understand it. You may not recognize that you need it. You may not realize how important it is. It may not be what you had in mind for the life of your church or you as an individual. In that moment, I'm going to carry you from point A to point B without you even recognizing until it's over what happened. You're going to look back, and you're going to see something amazing. You're going to look back and you're no longer going to be an Egypt. You're going to be way in the middle of the wilderness with completely new questions. You didn't recognize you needed it. You thought you needed comfort. You thought you needed more money. You thought you needed that beautiful spouse. I'm going to become what you need in that given moment and you will be blessed for it. That is exactly what God is saying. And that's exactly what he's saying in this moment. Okay, so you think you need something. You said you're present. Let's prove it. Are you going to take the step forward with nothing but me? Because when you do, as you go, slowly, surely but, slowly but surely, everything that you need is going to be supplied in every given moment that you need it. You can't get better than that. Social media can't do better than that. Netflix can't do better than that. Everywhere that you look, the politicians right now, this election, they can't do better. No one can do better. This is everything right here. And you better live like your life depends on it because guess what? It does. A new election, things, people that you're following, influences, influences that you're following, your calling, the calling of this church, the people of God leaving exile. See, Moses had to understand leaving exile before he even got to leave Egypt. He had to leave Midian. And we complain when things don't go our way. I don't even know where I am. So, <laughs> uh, there, are, there are broad implications of this uh, uh, stuff that we're studying, but also broad implications for, for Moses, but also broad implications for our lives as well. So get this, all right? Moses 
couldn't step into his calling and lead this revolution until he trusted God as deliverer. I am who I am. Who sent you? The deliverer sent you. In this case, it's a deliverer. I sent you. Sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes it's a disciplinary. That's what God is. Sometimes it's a comforter. But in this case, it had to be a deliverer. He couldn't lead the people, especially considering the opposition, until he trusted God as a deliverer. He couldn't stand up to Pharaoh until he trusted God as a deliverer. We often make God a friend. We often make God an associate when it applies to decisions. We often make God a genie in a bottle that's supposed to do everything that we want God to do. But do you live with the real presence of a deliverer? I don't know what you have without that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Do you live with the real presence of a deliverer? What does that mean? What does that look like? I will be with you. I will be with you. Such an incredible promise. Our story provides three significant ingredients to test and see if this is true, if you, if you live with a deliverer. Because some of you have been in church your entire life. You live with a lot of spiritual baggage, but you may not live with the deliverer. First recognize this. Moses was predestined. Moses was predestined. This is what this, what this means, this concept of predestination within the Wesleyan tradition. God is going to finish the work that he started in you. God is going to finish the work that he started in you. God doesn't make a few things happen and then give up on you. Now, you can give up on God, but God doesn't make a few things happen and then give up on you. So Moses is chosen. Moses is called. That's what we're talking about when we say that Moses is predestined. But there are also two other implications that we have to pay very close attention to. This is it. What does Moses do? So he's called. He's chosen. He's at this bush. What does he do? Number two, Moses was fully present. Okay? Moses says, here I am. He doesn't say, let me think about what this is going to cost me. You know what? Jethro and the family are back in Midian Maybe I should hang tight here for a little while and stay until things mellow out a little bit or maybe another Pharaoh takes over. No. Moses was fully present. He was attentive to what God wanted him to do. And then number three, Moses was fully positioned. Moses was fully positioned. He was ready to walk in to this scary, unknown future that God had prepared for him. I know there may be a lot of enthusiasm right now at Believer's Church, and there might be some momentum, but the truth is that we are walking into a scary, unknown future that we really don't know that much about. Truth is that some of you as individuals are being called to walk into a scary, unknown future that you may just not know much about. You got you to leave that ex-girlfriend or that ex-boyfriend behind. 
you got to change that job because that job's not good for you. Uh, you got to give up some of this spending because it's destroying the family. You've got to look at this differently or look at that different. Look at this differently or look at that differently because it's ruining things around you. So God, this is the point, and this is where we're closing, has predestined, has chosen some of you for great work. Truth is, greater work than I could ever do. More influence and further spread because of your gifts and your abilities that I could ever do. So here are the two questions if you are chosen. Here are the two questions. Are you present? Are you willing? Are you willing to step out today and say, here I am? And are you positioned for the work? This means are you obedient? Are you willing to, to not only say, here I am, but take the absolutely, incredibly difficult steps that in many cases means you are going to lose everything around you. Moses has to face this. Now, here's the beauty. As Moses faces these incredible, it, it, I'd love to tell you that it's easy, but it's incredibly difficult, painful, and heart-wrenching to say goodbye to sin sometimes. It's really, really hard. But this is what God is saying. This is to Moses. I don't know exactly how I'm supposed to do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to tell the people. You've, you've kind of thrown me off here. I'm out here shepherding. I see a burning bush. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. He says, you tell them I am sent you. This is what he says. As you go forward into this, you may not realize it, you may not recognize it, and you may not even like it, but in every single moment, I am going to be what you need. If that means I have to pull that drink out of your hand, I'm going to do it. If that means that your life has to feel miserable for a little while, I'm going to do it. If, I, if that means I have to make that girl dump you and humiliate you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shift and shape because I am God and I recognize the needs of my creation that they can't simply recognize themselves. And I will be with you. All heads bowed this morning and all eyes closed. Um, you may be in here and you may be thinking to yourself with, with what we've talked about that you just need a general deliverance today. Man, you've got to, you've got to experience some deliverance. And, and deliverance doesn't always mean that the anxiety goes away. Deliverance doesn't mean that the stress does not continue to pile up because often it does. My, it's been a long, my life, when I said yes to this church, my life really started to get harder again. But what it means is that you are willing to say yes and embrace the work that he is doing that sometimes you don't understand. If you're in that place today and you know you need that because you're going through something I can't even begin to fathom, nobody's looking around, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you very much for your honesty. Thank you, sir. Thank you in the back. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your honesty. Hands were everywhere. Now, maybe you're also in here today and you're in a place where you're struggling and God is calling you out to practice obedience in some way that I don't 
understand that I don't know. I don't know everybody in here's story. But you know that something is stirring in your heart. doesn't matter what it is. I don't need to know what it is. But God is telling you that you need to take action in some way and that you need to step into that calling so that I am Yahweh can care for you. Will you raise your hand so that I can pray for you? Anyone in here, there's some, thank you in the back. Anyone else, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am, in the front. Anyone else this morning, you know God is calling you to do something. You know that you have decisions you need to make. Holy Spirit, we pray that you invade this space. God, as we finish up worship, God, today, we pray, Father, that hearts are broken, that lives are mended, that unity is built within this body. Father, there is pain, there is sorrow, there is suffering in this room right now that some of us cannot even begin to imagine. And the prayer that I have, God, is, is not for, for peace, but, Father, that you bring whatever kind of wake-up call it is that will lead to the peace that passes all understanding. Father, for some of us, this is a great pruning time in which the undesirable things in our lives need to be removed. Father, there are others in here that are tugging and struggling with obedience because of something going on in their lives. It's a decision they have to make about a relationship, a decision they have to make about a calling. It's, it's something in their life that they're supposed to give up. Whatever that looks like, God, I, again, have no idea. But Father, I pray as a corporate body, as Believer's Church, that we turn all of those things over to you. And as we recognize God in the story of Moses, that he was fully positioned and he was fully ready to go forward. Here I am. And when asking who God was, God said, I am the one who is becoming. And I am the one that fits in those cracks and in those difficult places that you try to keep me out of to bring healing, restoration, fullness, and complete shalom to your life. We ask these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.